This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. It's Monday, February 24th. We are 10 days away from the start of spring practice on March 5th. Notre Dame has, I guess I don't even know officially yet whether they've hired uh, Mike Mickens as the cornerbacks coach and tight ends coach John McNulty, but they are on board moving forward. And, of course, the combine with Notre Dame football, nine Notre Dame football players starts this Thursday. Guys, let's start with spring practice, and, and we promise next Monday, which is March 2nd, it will be all about spring football practice. We've been away for a couple of weeks, so we're going to cover a couple of different topics here. But let's start with spring practice in 10 days, March 5th. Uh, they stretch it out longer than they used to. Uh, they they practice on March 5th and then don't practice say, again for two weeks. Pretty we're, much. Close, we're closer to spring practice in 10 days than they are to their second practice. <laughs> this is very true. 12 days after their first practice. This is, this is very true. But that's how they do it. And I get it. You get more moving oh, yeah. time. It's smart. It's it smart. Yeah, it is. And I, I don't know if other schools are doing it that way, but I would assume that they are because – that's football. More, more, more. Yeah. And so that's what they're doing. It's starting on March 5th. But um, I, I, is there any – a lot of times there's some controversy, I guess, going into a spring uh, to some extent. I don't really know. Is there any other than the length of hiring assistant coaches, which is really pretty <laughs> meaningless? It only matters on the outside, I think, uh, and in recruiting. I get that. But, um, you know, I think we're ready to roll. It's a team that's a, a – has a lot coming back, but still has a bunch of answers to uh, questions to answer as well. Yeah, I, I think there's not a major storyline of like they, they need to get this fixed now or the season's in peril. Like it's a pretty healthy, stable program. I mean, that you know the offensive line, how that shakes out with we know the cornerbacks are going to be the, an the issue. The backup corners, I think, are really interesting. Um, you know, you Priester has been banging the Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa to Buck drum for about four months Not now. Change. I've, I've, I've softened on okay. that. Definitely. All right. More of a tambourine now. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, I'd be interested to see how that shakes out. You know, is, is Jack Lamb available? Um, you know, is there, is there a, a minor switch there? But look, I mean, we've all sort of written this in columns and stories and analysis pieces and mailbags. This isn't going to be a big position switch spring. This is, the roster is not set up to to really require that kind of stuff. If guys move, it's going to be, you know, like a Hunter Spears from third-team defensive tackle, or maybe fourth-team defensive tackle, to third-team offensive guard. I think he was but fourth-team, probably, because yeah. all those guys, and that's a good thing. I mean, we're yeah. not, like, he's a redshirt freshman. Right. I mean, uh, they have all guys that can play he's up there a now. big guy with size who can move pretty well, yeah. so find a spot for him. Um, yeah, you know, the early enrollees, I... I am really interested to see Drew Pine more than I would have been three months ago because Phil Dracovic left. Um, So kind of a Drew Pine, Brendan Clark side-by-side comparison will be interesting. Uh, I am incredibly high on Riley Mills. I might have some sort of bias because I went and saw him yeah. work out and met him and spent some time with him. Well, that's the reason to be high on someone, though, and yeah. you know, you to know an extra thing about him. Yeah, that, I went, that's positive. It's like that's... I went and saw him work out. I was like, this guy is really flexible yeah. and impressive, and I, I get sort of the Jerry Tillery comparison, bonus points, um, because he's incredibly flexible for that size. Those are major bonus points. On that Huge one. bonus points. <laughs> uh, you know, Spring's going to have a lot of uh, evaluation for people on the offensive line because so many guys are hurt. Um, you know, if Aaron, Bank- Aaron Banks is in a walking boot, I assume he's not yeah. going to be fully. And I assume that has something to do with the fact that he had late June foot surgery, came right back to start August training camp, Made it through a football season. I'm not 100 percent sure it's the same thing, but it, he's a big guy. It's related to that, you would think. Absolutely. And then there's Kramer and Hainsey. I mean, Hainsey had a significant ankle injury and surgery. So even if he's a good healer, he's why would you play him much in the spring? My point is, these are not August injuries, which is great, but they are definitely spring injuries, which means all those backup guys um, get a chance to work with the, they're going to get some first team reps. Well, they're, they're, they're going to guys out and they're going to have a difficult time fielding a two, two offensive lines. Yeah. Uh, I think that's why Pete mentioned, you know, you can move spears and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then Quinn Carroll, people are thinking, let's, let's see him. I mean, he tore his ACL in August. He's yeah, not ready to roll either. So that, that's another August guy. But yeah. again, these are offensive line injuries that are less of a concern because they happened a long time ago. And it's good time to actually work out the other, the young players. I think since Norton pulled the trigger on Mike Mickens, the feeling of the hire, both as a cornerbacks coach as well as a recruiter, I, I think tends to grow. Uh, it, 
positively. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I, I mean, I, I kind of sense that that was ultimately the right guy for Notre Dame to hire. I am uh, writing a story on him today, and I talked to Marcus Freeman, who's the D.C. at Cincinnati. Yep. Um, I talked to a Mickens high school coach. I talked to uh, Tony Pike in Cincinnati, who practice against him every day. He has good Brian Kelly stories. Yeah. Get some off the record. And then uh, I also talked to Greg Orton, who played, it was a receiver at Purdue. Ah, yeah. Uh, who was a high school teammate and Mickens' best friend. And, uh, and just sort of about their practice habits. He said they got in. I only asked, I only reached out to Orton because his high school coach told me it was like, you would have thought these guys fought every day after practice the way they went at it. Um, Mickens is like, a kind of insatiable competitor um, would rip helmets off Orton. Like they would throw punches at each other in practice. This is a high school practice uh, and they were best friends. And then they go play video games afterwards. Um, I think Mickens is going to add a, a sort of a compete level to that group that, um, you know, Todd Light was kind of a cool character. Um, I wouldn't say that he was a, had like that insatiable competitive level. Uh, Mickens was very much like a chip on the shoulder. I was overlooked in recruiting. Acad- acad- <laughs> academically was a huge at-risk uh, guy. Not a huge at-risk guy, but like that was the reason he was going to Bowling Green for such a long time is coaches were like, yeah, we don't know if you're going to make it um, academically at the school. And his high school coach was like, no, you know, he got off to a rough start, got his stuff together, graduated uh, from Huber Heights, Wayne, and then was, but D'Antonio came in and recruited him, and the high school coach had to be like, "No, I have zero doubt about this guy making it with you." I wish everything you said was about a two-year graduate transfer cornerback coming into Notre Dame yeah. right now. But that's the second best, right, right there for Mickens. He'd be at the combine. <laughs> yeah, if it was. It'd be, that's true. He'd be at the combine. But I mean, that's that does bode well for when people will tell you he's going to be a dog on the recruiting trail. The hyper competitiveness and, and the yeah. need to recognize. Yeah, I, I covered Todd Light when he was playing in Notre Dame, and he didn't. He had no reason to come in with a chip on his shoulder. He was <laughs> yeah. he was a standout. He was a standout receiver, potential receiver, and then became a great. He's one of the gifted ones. Got, yeah, he was definitely one of the gifted ones. But I, you know, I think it's good. And, and Todd Light, I mean, he got productivity out of his frontline cornerbacks. There's, sure. there's oh, no yeah. doubt. There's no on doubt the field, about that. But, yeah, they, yeah, they but but. Um, you know, they need more. They need, they need a little bit more. Two things can be true. It's fair that Todd Light's cornerbacks perform well for a three-year stretch, and it's true that they have a hole because of the recruiting wasn't good at the position. Yep. So it's not like, it's not all or nothing. Right. There's a hole exists for a reason. We do have a question about Mickens uh, regarding recruiting, I think, in segment two, so we'll we'll, we'll save that. But the combine starts on Thursday. Uh, nine Nordane players, Chase Claypool, Cole Komet, Khaled Kareem, Julian O'Quara, I imagine he'll be limited. Troy Pride Jr., uh, Jalen Elliott, Alohi Gilman, Chris Fink, and Tony Jones Jr. Man, that's a bunch. I th- when we were last together two weeks ago, it was just Pete and myself, and I said, "Is that a record?" I, I just meant like under Brian Kelly. I don't. I, well, the invite I talked to um, Greg Gabriel because Bilal wasn't on it, and I thought you know, oh. Bilal's senior, fifth year senior year, mm-hmm. yeah, should have probably gotten an invite. He's he said it usually it just comes down. There's 335 guys that are allowed. This year's 337 for some reason. Um, it's like there must have been linebackers. It must have been a linebacker heavy class, which gets him in or gets him out and Jones in or Fink in at wide receiver. And, and there's Asbro Bilal. Yeah. Came into the year with no reason to be invited to the combine, and then left the year with every reason to be invited to the combine. Right. I didn't know how that worked. He just thinks it's a numbers. It's game. a heavy receivers year too. I'm still surprised by Fink and Jones. I mean, you, you have to be right. They ha- they have to think that Fink is going to run, and we also have a question on that in segment two about what we think guys are going to run, and we're probably going to be a million miles off on some of that stuff. But you know, I like because outside of the Nordame team last year, Miles Boykin, nobody. Really thought that he was. Did you? You were. I'm sorry. You did. You did. You did. <laughs> I, no, 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 no. You did because you you had some inside information yes. on that. Yes, People you did. Scoffed but at see me. that came right. But that came directly from it inside did. the program. It came from Brian. That Kelly. counts too. <laughs> I was I was walking up the stairs and he showed me his forty. I was like, what? <laughs> inside information counts too, right? Yes, it does. Yes, it, does. <laughs> it does. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. Inside information. Chris Fink ran a better ten yard split than Miles Boykin did last year. So we'll see what that means. Okay. Forty yards. Well, and that that so. is mean. That is meaningful. And as that's did probably Troy, as did Troy Pride, which everybody would guess. Probably so. a big reason why he's there. Any thoughts, guys, on on those nine or anything that's going to transpire there? Uh, we've watched them all play a lot of football, so it's just like I. 
nothing that is going to happen down there is going to outweigh. Like Troy Pride, maybe he runs a four three five. That's not going to outweigh the ball skills to me. I think thinks, mate, it's going to make him some money. He thinks he's going to run a four two. What are you talking about? Oh, oh yeah, sorry, but I just. It's, he's a sprinter. It helps. Like he could be faster. Right. He could be faster in the forty right. than he could be in real, than in on a football. We're going field. to be asked to and predict what over if, uh, unders. And... I can't remember who said this on one of Notre Dame's sort of behind the scenes. You know, they do like the Irish icon, yeah. and somebody described Troy Pride as the slowest, fastest guy that he's ever seen on a football field. I think it might have been Jalen Elliott who said it. Oh, that's rough, <laughs> Jalen. Uh, speaking of Elliott, though, Elliott and Gilman are the two guys that I think are really good football players that could benefit from doing the Drew Tranquil combine training. If they learn yeah, anything well, from Drew Tranquil as a leader, it might be that we all knew Drew Tranquil was a good football player, and then he showed up and destroyed the combine for what yeah, you thought. Well, he was Elliot's able to do. already proven that at the Senior Bowl yeah. to a large extent. He was he was flat out. I, I, I use great too often. He was very very good to great at, at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, and and pri- <laughs> the slowest fast guy. Yeah, I mean, we just didn't expect Troy Pride to hang with receivers like. Uh, like he did um, in at the Senior Bowl, and he did a great job. Uh, uh, Jones, uh, Kareem, I, I think it's a big combine for Kareem. Komet, you know, a lot of people have been saying he's he's the number one tight end. I still think that he kind of needs to prove that, doesn't he? That's what you came back. Ruins everything. Say it again. I wish you came back. Well. Ruins everything, man. <laughs> Whole plan. Two tight ends, Komet out there. And then Clay, you know. You can Clay, see the offense right yeah, now know, if he was out I there. <laughs> Claypool, uh, you know, the 40 is going to be very critical for him. There, there are a lot of good receivers in the draft. He is going to run a great time, and he's going to jump out of the gym. That is my combine prediction. I think he'll jump out of the gym. I'm not convinced with the great time. When you say great time, let's save that for a second. Save it for down here. He weighed in this morning at 238. That's pretty big. That's that's I can't imagine Claypool did not. I would be shocked if the way Chase Claypool matured that he did not train for this combine. In a manner of, I am going to improve my stock. You would think that that's value. a great two thirty eight, but that's a you would big think that jump that's up. Nine, well, you know, it's we say it's we say it's nine pounds. More. It is a lot of pounds. We say it's nine more. We don't know what he really weighed during that's the season. True. No, it could be true. four more, or it could be ten more. But yeah, that's, no, that's true. Uh, a couple things I want to hit real quickly, just kind of quick hitters. Tim, you did a story with Rick Meyer. Ian Book will be the first three year starter or quarterback in Notre Dame since Rick Meyer. Rick Meyer. <clears throat> Uh, great friend of of the media. He's just yeah, he was great. Rick, Rick Meyer is uh, unchanged from the day that he walked in at Notre Dame. You guys weren't there then. He's a really down to earth guy and a great interview. They've His had thoughts. three. They've had three year starters like Quinn. I mean, Quinn was a three and a half year starter. Uh, but the thing about Book was Book and Meyer. The, the way they started their careers. I mean, Meyer's splash was against Michigan and on the cover of the South Bend Tribune. Books was taking over a team and bringing them to the championship game. Both oddly. Sarcastically, had their worst game as a rookie starter in the championship game because sometimes when you play great defenses, you have a little bit more trouble than you have at other times in your lives. And I wanted to talk to Rick about, you know, you could not have been more celebrated. And then you guys didn't win a national title. Did you feel different when you kind of lost to Stanford and it was all over your senior year? They ended up being a great team that he pointed out would have won the playoffs. He's, a, he, he's right. That <laughs> he's was right, a... yes. But he was so jealous of a playoff system. He's like, that's, you know, we just weren't. We weren't good that day, and but we would have loved to have been one of the four teams invited. He said that, obviously easier for him, because his whole thing was, don't read the paper and there's nothing else to worry about. Don't read the newspaper. Yeah. You know? uh, he said he and Book's newspapers in his pocket, and right. he believes that Book now has seen everything, and it should all be so second nature to him, the crazy crowd that you have at Georgia, the expectations of having to go in and beat Wisconsin and Clemson, all these things... The expectations and everything, he is now in a world where if it's possible for Ian Book to just go play football, he thinks this is the time for him to just go play football and not worry about anything else. And I think November is kind of the one time we've seen Ian Book go play some football after that Virginia Tech mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I mean, he's done. He's graduated now. Yeah, it, so. and that's a huge thing you've pointed out before. Like, yeah. Jerry Tillery, Sheldon Day, um, Tranquil. Tranquil, a lot of these guys in their last year. Where they have very minimal class requirement, mm-hmm. it's just easier for you. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> think I mean, about it. it just, if it's yes. hard the other way, of course it's easier this yeah, way. Ian Book lived real life experiences last yeah. season. If he hasn't learned from that, shame on him. Yes, but he but there certainly there were certainly signs in November and in the bowl game that he had learned from that and he's moved on from that. 
Uh, Trevor Spates, running back from Stanford. Grad transfer possibility. Thoughts on that? I don't really get it. Um, I mean, I understand the Lance Taylor connections. Um, if And if you do get it, it's not a great compliment about where the Notre Dame running back situation is. I think you're right. I think it has to do with injury, uh, possible position tweaks, possibility of a logjam transfer, and not being extremely happy about where the running back situation is altogether. Jafar, I, yeah, I mean, Jafar Armstrong just didn't make, you, you expected him to make significant strides in 2019. Injuries, of course, intervened there again. Yes, um, that, we always got to be fair to Jafar Armstrong. Well, you, you do, but I mean, it is, the, yeah. that, that counts too. It does well. count too. Yeah. <laughs> Those all count, you're right. So, um, yeah, I, you know, is it a great situation? No. Do you trust Lance Taylor's opinion about a guy that he recruited? I've got to put some weight on that, wouldn't you? Yes, yeah, but it, you would. It still speaks to what Pete says, though. The running back situation isn't great when you're bringing in a guy that you don't think <laughs> they did for about 300 yards, right? Yeah, yeah. no doubt. There's now no. maybe now maybe all he needs is more carries and stuff like that, but he couldn't earn them there. Now, obviously, they had some pretty good running backs at Stanford, but if Notre Dame had Dexter Williams, Josh Adams, uh, he wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be coming no, in. He wouldn't be yeah. coming in. Uh, we we were going to talk about basketball to conclude the section, but we'll do that at the end of segment two. Segment two is burning up the boards, and we'll be right back for that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Zig Riker, seventeen oh one. What will be the impact of Mike Mickens' hire on recruiting? Was he hired to help Notre Dame improve recruiting, specifically in the Midwest slash Ohio? He's definitely got Ohio, Michigan roots. Um, I mean, you could look at Cincinnati's incoming corner prospects and they're not really any different from Notre Dame's in terms of their rankings in the 24-7 sports composite. So he's been able to beat comparable teams for talent. Does that mean he's going to go beat Alabama and LSU for corners? No, uh, but I think that he will, Notre Dame will have a much better quarterback board moving forward than, than what they've had the last couple of years. Todd Light was not, uh... He, he was not one of Notre Dame's better recruiters. Everybody knows that. Mickens, probably, where do, where do you think he ends up in the pecking order? It doesn't really matter. If but. he's, like, just average on the staff, that would be good. Because um, I think it's a, overall it's still a, a good recruiting staff. I mean, Chip Long, I thought, was their best recruiter as an individual. But Polian, Elston, Joseph, yeah, that's... Mickens. Um, I think Reese does a good job. Um, you know, Quinn does a good job for sure. Plus, Reese has a year off at his position yeah. for recruiting. McNulty, we'll see. Um, I have no idea on that one. But, um, you know, I think Dell Alexander's okay. But, you know, I think Mickens will be above average on the staff. I've heard good things about John McNulty's personality and what is recruiting at the end of the day, other than yeah, that's being why, able yeah. to Jeff express Quinn's yourself. So exactly. No, exactly. I mean, Todd Light was a great guy. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. It just wasn't a recruiting. Yeah, I don't know that he was. There's hustle involved. Right, too. right, right. Indy 615, is there any coach who hasn't won a national championship? So, in other words, excluding Saban, Davo Sweeney, Orgeron, Jimbo Fisher, that you think would be an upgrade over Brian Kelly? I asked this kind of, this is kind of O'Malley's. I assume it's all college. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. And rule out Urban Meyer from this, I guess, so, since uh, he has won a national championship. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking about this in the drive over because I was immediately going to come up with somebody. It took me a while when I was going back and forth, but Lincoln Riley would be a person that I think would be an upgrade over Kelly, and I wouldn't necessarily jump on another name. I would agree with that if he would hire a defensive coordinator that can consistently stop somebody. I know he they probably would. I know they may. I, have I one know. Now. Just keep the keep the current guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just you're I, set. Just come in and I, hello. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that they have. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible. There's something wrong with in that this, program's DNA yeah. with defensive coaching and everything else yeah. well, down there. I don't know what it is. Man. Well, that's on him, is it not? It's been that way for. It's been that way before him, decade. No, there's yeah. no doubt. They do go to the playoffs a lot. Yeah, every. <laughs> I mean, he's a pretty good coach. Yeah, right? I think. I mean, Lincoln Riley to me is like what Chip Kelly was 
15 years ago where he's so far ahead of the curve offensively that he is a schematic advantage yes. on the sideline. So Lincoln Riley is my choice, I think, for this. And then a couple years ago, you know, I would, I would have said, I don't know if Matt Rule would be... I never knew if Matt Rule would be the upgrade. I just always thought I wanted Matt Rule to succeed Brian Kelly. Right, right. Um, but Scott Frost never left Central Florida. People would probably be saying Scott Frost. But the problem is, here's the, this is why I didn't name any other, any other coaches. There's plenty of good young coaches out there, and I know what everybody's thinking right now. I don't know what's going to happen when P.J. Fleck is somewhere else. And it's not all roses and cream when you win yeah. 10 games. Right, when you have so, to win. Yes, that's yeah. Scott Frost. If he was at US, UCF, all three of us would say Scott Frost right now because they'd be <laughs> have won 47 straight games. Yep. And we would think he's a genius. Do you have anybody you want to add? Uh, Carl Durrell at Colorado. No. <laughs> nice. What did I... I <laughs> texted me. I texted him. Now that's an inspiring yeah. hire, isn't it? I want... I want... <laughs> But Cloud Bethel Thompson the third to be quoted in like the press release of like what they're saying about Carl Durrell. Tim said the same thing. He's like, is he going to hire McLeod Bethel Thompson? He's going to be his OC. Yeah. He, no, he's still active. I was right. I looked him oh, up. He's playing. Please. That can't be. In the XFL? Be. Canada. Okay. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. <laughs> I guess. Carl Durrell uh, is the new head coach of Colorado. I... I mean, again, he's a nicer he's been, guy than the old head coach Again, he's been, he, he's, <laughs> been in the, he's been in the NFL, and I don't want to downplay guys that have been assistants in the NFL. I just didn't think it was a very inspiring hire on their part. Maybe he's ready to do more than he was, and he was a UCLA. Heck of a nice guy, though. Carl it Carl. is. It, it. What's your what? Just your experience? Yeah, yeah. He's a really, really good dude. I mean, but yeah. you know, obviously, and look, UCLA was actually pretty good when he was coaching yeah. there compared yeah. to where they are right now. Well, that's true. That is true. But you're right that it's not like, <laughs> hey, we got Carl Durrell from the Dolphins. Right. Yeah. Was he the receivers coach at the time? Right now, I think. But, yeah. yeah. CB Wonder eighty one. I think Brian Kelly was good for Notre Dame's program. However, what's next? Was wow. I, I think when he was hired, <laughs> okay. he was good for All the right. Notre Dame program. However, what's next if the Irish finish? Ten and three next season. I'm not sure. I, uh, Ten and three or eleven and two the next season. Yeah, it's good. What's stuff. the question? He, uh, in other words, is there how do you take the next step? But they're not trying to take. If Brian Kelly goes ten and three, twelve and one, eleven and two, and ten and three, I think you roll the dice and hope you go twelve and one or eleven and two the next year too, right? Yeah, I mean that's there's nothing wrong with that. Now ten and three is always disappointing. Notre Dame fans because they have now gone twelve and one and eleven and two. So that is going to be a third loss, especially in the regular season. Third loss of the regular season always feels like ah, I didn't quite. It's yeah. not good enough. Yeah, because it's nine and three. It's right. not ten a, and three. A third though. loss. No, they were you know they were a ten and two team this year, and let's say they ran into uh, well, Ohio State made the Ohio State made the playoffs, but let's say they ran into who was fifth this year. They ran into Oklahoma. Just just put Oklahoma there in a bowl game instead of Iowa State. They might have finished ten and three. Doesn't mean they were any worse than the eleven and two team was this mm-hmm. year. Well, the question is interesting because at eleven and two, people will react the same way. That's how they just reacted to an eleven. Many yeah. reacted to eleven and two. Well, I mean, I think if the eleven and two included a win over Clemson, true, true, it'd be completely different, true. and not a forty point loss to Michigan, right? But what's next? Tyler Buckner will be next. How about that? Well, that's what I was going to say, Tyler Buckner, and um, so your quarterback will take a brief step back. You would assume, unless Tyler Buckner is the second coming. Um, because if Brendan Clark just repl- or Drew Pine replaces Ian Book, he won't be as good as Ian Book yeah. was as a junior, right. as a fifth year senior. Yeah. So, but your players around them will all have matured in that you would hope Kevin Austin, Michael Mayer, Chris Tyree, and Jordan Johnson are all people that are ready to really go play football. Yeah, in second year. It's uh, next year. I mean, twenty twenty one. There'd be a wide open quarterback competition. Like kind of flippantly mentioning Tyler Buckner, but like all three guys will be in the running for it. But the offensive line will be need a. Pretty significant rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they'll be. Yeah, I would assume Banks will be back, which makes it less. There's three guys sure. that you're, you know, with Lug, Banks, and Patterson, and you just hope the other guys have come up to speed. You're right, though. It's different than this year's offensive line, where there's yeah. six starters. A brand new quarterback and two brand new tackles. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, that's a little bit tricky. But I would like the skill position players better because they're the same guys that are older. Mm-hmm. Tremble would be a senior, and they've got four young guys. I, the four young guys I mentioned, you hope to get something out. Well, Austin, you have to. Yeah. The three young guys I mentioned, you hope to get something really good out of one of them this year. You hope to get something great out of all three of them in two years. Right? Yeah, it's, I mean, look, defensively, is Clark Lee here in 2021? I don't know. Um, you know, certainly he was close with Boston College. It's, it's impossible to say where that's going to go. I would, but if you had to, if you had to pick whether he will be back for a fourth year at Notre Dame as a defensive coordinator, it's pretty difficult to imagine that. Yeah, it's probably you know fifty fifty proposition. I mean, Van, Vanderbilt has a new AD again. Um, 
that would probably be on knife's edge for Derek Mason if they're not good. That'd be unfortunate because he can't win at Vanderbilt. Mm, yeah, it's pretty, pretty tough. Him. The unfortunate thing is that Clark Lee went there. I know that, <laughs> but he can't win there. <laughs> well, right, so he'll go there. Uh, go ahead. B54. Has Notre Dame implemented any tangible changes to get closer to the top five in recruiting, as BK stated? If there have been no changes in recruiting, do you expect any this cycle, or is it all just talk and wishful thinking to get in the top five to ten? Well, this year it is. Um, I mean, I just just sort of a rundown of this last week, and it's going to be, for Notre Dame to get to 20 uh, prospects in this class will be, will be tough, um, just based on roster size, the 85-man limit. In the last five years, one team finished in the top five with a class of less than 20, or 20 or less. It was USC in 2017, I think. Um, The top five teams, of the 25 teams that finished in the top five, 19 of them had 25 or more in their class. So that's not going to happen. Just being in the top 10 is also difficult, whether you're 20 or less. I think just three teams in the last five years, so it's... 30, wait, no, 50 spots in five years. Three of those teams signed 20 or fewer. I know numbers matter, and I'm slam, I hammer that reality a lot because when you get four corners, two of them are not going to be any good. So obviously, you need, you, mm-hmm. you need numbers. But Pete, let's say they have the same class. They have, instead of 17, they have 19 guys or 20 guys, and you add three more impact players to this exact class you just saw. Great. That would be. Good enough though, right? But yeah, I mean, it's like twenty-five. That's yeah. If they if not, they kill it on more the three stars, yeah, if they get like players. the offensive linemen, they believe they're in position to get, uh, and then you get Will Shipley and David Abiara, and I don't know what they're doing at linebacker necessarily, but um, you know, you sign some defensive backs of like <laughs> Deuce Harmon is a four-star corner from Texas. You get more guys like that. Um, then I think you're going to come away and feel satisfied with what you got. Not dissimilar to last cycle when they really needed something at receiver, running back, at tight end, and they got it. Well, and the tangible thing is, I mean, Brian Kelly's putting forth a greater effort. Sure, absolutely. That, I, that's what Brian Kelly was talking about. That's what he's done up to this point. If you don't have faith in that, then maybe that's not uh, good enough. But uh, his efforts, and frankly – the people at the Goog believe that if his efforts increase, their success ratio will increase as well. Yeah, there are there are multiple things that Notre Dame needs to do to push upward, but the easiest one is Brian Kelly being more day to day involved, not just like as you know, I asked him this in Florida, like before he was the introduction at junior day and the closer in your home visit. And in between Man, there, there was not a lot. There's a lot in between right. And, and so <laughs> to be more involved in the in between stuff. We'll see if that makes a difference. I would think that it would. I would think so, too. But uh can't tell people what to think, but for everybody that's really mad about this still by saying, why did it take 11 years? How about you just see if it takes if it happens this year, and then you can be happy about it, right? Well, right. And it's Keith, like still blaming him for 2006. It's over, and, right? That yeah. never should have happened. It's over. And <laughs> it's moved Keith, on. You know, 10 and 2, 11 and 1, 12 and 0 yeah. will also I'm still upset about the isn't. end of the Tulsa game. <laughs> <laughs> Wash ND, has there been any information about how the early entry freshmen have been doing as uh, – as spring practice approaches. I got nothing in this one. So. Wow, I should have uh, screened this question before I asked <laughs> I it. I know who I'm excited to watch. Does that count for anything? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with just how – I don't even care where Xavier Watts lines up. I just want to watch him play and see if he is as good live as he was on film, where we all rated him higher. There's such a physical maturity Yes, but to I want him. to see it out there I get against – I get it. Hey, just we're against gonna... Tariq Bracey. Right, and we're you going know, to – no. Keep in mind, we're going to get a better view of spring practice than we than we have in literal recent view. years. No, literal, literal view, view, yes. Right. The literal no, view is, yes. no, we talked it, about it last night in basketball. The new facility, they can't stick us in the end zone. They have to stick us at midfield or along the sideline. They gave us desks. Right, and we're looking down on the action. Our viewpoint of spring practice is going to be tremendous. I want it to rain every day we go to practice, so they have to stay inside, that's and we have true. perfect view yeah, of everything. Yeah, that's true. I would, just a, a word of warning on people who are desperate for nuggets on how early enrollees look. Who, the guy that had created some buzz last year was Kyron Williams. He ended up redshirting. 
and and kind of struggled when the season started. So it's like well, he struggled. Yeah. He redshirted because he struggled when the season right. started. Will, it was uh, all good until then. You know, Jack Kaiser was the other one. Yeah, who really, but I think that may have been exceeding expectations. Right. But just just like don't get too carried away about what you're reading on message boards or or, or frankly, even if we had heard something on this. That we could put in this podcast. Like, we'll have some just, commentary on just, that a week you know, from today. It's okay. Like we don't need to get too yeah. carried away. With we'll talk stuff. more about that a week from today as we, we pre- preview spring completely. Uh, the Pursuit Inc. seventy seven. If Tim O'Malley were doing prop bets on out of nowhere stars, who would be your candidate? To be clear, in the regular season, not Junior Jabby spring ball performance. I like to uh, go back a year for young guys. I like that didn't work out, which is ironic that Pete mentioned Kyron Williams. But opportunity plus a guy I've liked in the past, and this is nothing with film. I didn't like Kyron Williams that much on film. I thought Kyron Williams looked better in the blue goal game than I ever saw him look on film, and I thought he looked good in August. So does that count, Kyron Williams, with opportunity at running back yeah, to be out of nowhere? Yeah. I'm not sure Sebo counts anymore, does he? <laughs> I mean, if, yeah, if he does, Sebo, I like Sebo. beat well, out. So- Jafar Armstrong. Okay, but Sebo Flemister then. Since since he's, I mean, he's a, <laughs> he's, a unesta- he's an unestablished player. Yeah. So. Then I and once again we are back at the area of uh, opportunity knocking and not necessarily for a great reason. Um, and I mentioned in a mailbag we just did Isaiah Foskey. Does he count at all? Because I think he's getting spring starters reps. I don't know why Dalen Hayes would. You've got to rest. You've got to keep Dalen Hayes out of too much contact with a second shoulder oh, surgery yeah, and everything there's, else. It's, there's no question about that. So, you, I yeah. mean, Isaiah Foskey's a guy that if it was a worse Notre Dame team in, a different, in any different era, he would have played 13 games. I will year. say, we I have gotten some positive feedback on Jordan Batello in terms of how he fits in, his enthusiasm, the way he's been accepted. For the accepted previous question, not for, for the, the previous question, of, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, heard very positive things. Uh, about him, I'm I'm going to say KJ Wallace. I don't know how that's or what, but I know that he was a guy that they really, really liked his savvy, and he came in and really showed himself early on. And there was no he wasn't going to play, although I guess there were some opportunities there. I'm going to say KJ Wallace. I think he's I think he's going to rise above uh, until I see further. That's that's my pick. And so, if we're just going to adjust this question to guys that go from name and number on the roster to player. Yeah. That's not uh, I'm not say, yeah. star. I'm not saying Kyron Williams you is know. getting nine hundred rushing yards. Just yeah. that he will be KJ will... Wallace, yeah. Paul Mowala. Um, you know, I think Kyron Williams has to prove that. Kaiser has to prove that. Um, you know, that those would be four guys that I think and any linebackers watching. in a situation any yeah. healthy linebackers yeah. in a situation to to prove that i really feel like we should never throw away what we had a whole year of watching and liking last year when a red freshman red shirts you know that's like okay now's, oh, yeah, now's, sure. now's their time it, it's i don't know why it didn't work last year and we shut with you never would have convinced me kyron williams in august was going to be four games and sit and not right catch a pass. it was just a yeah. weird it was strange weird arc for his season irish boy one if the ncaa allows a one-time transfer without sitting out a year i believe more players will transfer do you think the rule change will help or hurt Notre Dame? Now, Melly, I know you you're in favor of the rule. I have serious. I think huh? we both have Pete and I both, both are just, okay. yeah, I mean, in the modern era is the thing. I, I get that. I get that. I have serious concerns. I just I like everything else, when you implement a new rule, there are ways of circumventing it. Um But they're maybe, already maybe, circumventing the rule now. No, I realize that. Maybe, to, circumvent maybe isn't the best word for that, but you know, the portal is that what they expected? Is that what they expected? Probably this not. Probably mass, not. Yeah. Massive amounts of names on the portal. It, it will only increase. I think it'll increase. Um, sure. It's more accessible. Yeah. Like you're making something easier to do. So it's, more of it will be done. And that's let's, let's try and and that, that's good for the players. Is that good for college football? I, I don't sure. know. But yeah. it's good I mean, for the players. Well, is it bad? Like, why is it bad for a player who wants I think, to play somewhere else? Because I think coaching staff, suddenly they have to now recruit completely differently than the way they had already started to recruit their next class because guys are, they're constantly chasing numbers now. Okay, well, I would say that the coaches making millions and millions of dollars have to adjust. You have a, you have a I, grad assistant that monitors say sorry. the portal at all times. I, yeah. it's you have, not, but I know what you're saying. Is that is that in the best interest of of? Of team cohesion, I'm not disagreeing with what you guys are saying. 
I'm just saying there's always a flip side to it. And the flip side is it's going to be a num a constant numbers chase. And it's going to be that much more difficult for teams to find continuity and cohesiveness. I, I mean, think I don't know. Guys, Alohi, guys leaving that don't want to be there. Like, why was that bad for Alohi cohesion? Gilman came in. As a I think they're going I to have... because I think they're going to overreact. It's going to be a knee jerk reaction. You're you're two that, months into your. I think one of year. the one of the lessons of the portal, which may be learned the hard way the first couple of years after this rule passes, is that you can get in the portal. That doesn't mean there's a spot for you somewhere else. Well, that's and true. there are a lot of players that get in no, the portal and, I, and, and then I'm, they have nowhere to go. And I'm coming from a certainly a more old school perspective yeah. on this than sure. you guys are. Especially um, I, I want to answer. The rule change help or hurt Notre Dame. I do think it will. It can. I don't think it. I don't know if it will. It can hurt Notre Dame in that if Notre Dame has a guy that wants, let's say they have ten guys that want to transfer out in 2021, and they go in the portal, and Ohio State and Oklahoma also have ten. All of the Notre Dame guys can go to Ohio State and Oklahoma if they want them. All ten probably. Mm-hmm. Not that Ohio State wants Notre Dame's ten transfers, because you're not having good, not not right. a lot of good transfers. Most of them are bottom half, but you can't get every Oklahoma player into Notre Dame after his freshman year at Oklahoma. I would be right, yeah. No, yeah. I guess I would just I would be surprised if it had a huge impact on Notre Dame because it's the whatever the transfer rules are, or the transfer portal, or you know the one time exemption, like. None of that is impacting the value of the Notre Dame degree, which is why no. those guys, the majority of came here in the first place. Um, it's if, if the Notre Dame degree was not as valuable, I think you would see a lot of guys leave Notre Dame much earlier than they do. That's a great point, and they, they certainly would. Now they just uh, graduate early. Right, which yeah, is fine. Which is also That's fine, good yeah. for Notre Dame as well. Yeah. I, the sanity that the early signing period has brought to... That's a good thing. You know, I it mean, think nice of how smooth it's... Oh, it's going to be a day. pain in the ass for the media. Yeah, I mean, like, it. essentially, well, that's really it's what I'm like, complaining yeah. about. No. It's like, imagine a Will Fuller, Cole Komet, are you returning, but for every player at all times. Okay, that's what... Every interview right. is going to... Are you, are you coming so I'm back selfish. next year? I, actually, my, my motive was yeah. that it's going no, to I'm make... I'm totally life. with you on that. It's not going to be enjoyable from a media yeah. perspective at yeah, all. Yeah, there's a lot of selfish arguments to the contrary. I mean, I... I don't want people to be able to leave college basketball until they're juniors because I want to watch good basketball. Right. But there's no real argument for that. Right. It's yeah. just, no, I get it. I'm and not... it's it's clearly it's going to happen. We're we, we're yes, it's yes. trending that way. It's being accepted, and and it's it's going to happen. Don't you think the waivers just being like, ah here you go is part of the reason it's going to happen? It's part yeah. of the reason I changed my mind. People get waivers all the time. If you're getting a waiver, just let them. Why, why does he yeah. get a waiver and someone else doesn't? Why yes. did Alohi Gilman not get a waiver, but Justin Fields did? I, Come on! I, yeah, they screwed up the criteria <laughs> yeah. for that, and now they have to pay for it. That's Maddie Heebs. Maddie Heebs, fourteen over under forty times at the combine. I'll read them off. Pride four point three seven. One at a time. Uh, under. I, to me, that is a he is a he's a sprinter. That's a lock under. Under for me too, and a lock under. Think four point four flat over. Everybody thinks over, and I, I, I I'm not going to. Try to be the smartest guy in the room, I, but you said ten yard time. Ten right? yard time, he was faster than Boykin, and Pride was the only guy faster than him. So then he needs to work on his Long ten feet. to forty. Yeah, I say over because that's if this would have been four four five, I'd have been wondering. Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll take under I'll, I'm is in a, a three. Yeah, under's a four three something. So I'm going over. Right, but it can be a four. It can be a four three nine. Right, it can be. But yeah, gone. but I just that's like I, that's I pretty precise. Isn't yeah, it? I, didn't, I didn't watch Chris Fink and think there was a four three. Anything. You know what? He's got four three eight elusiveness, but I don't know that he's got four okay. three. Will eight. they do that drill? Could they do that one on one drill? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering. You got to come up and tackle right. somebody. Just put him in that. You start a whole new league with him. Jalen, it's like no thanks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my hamstring. I've, I've seen it. Go. I've seen this story before. <laughs> Claypool four point four nine. He. That's exactly I, Exactly why I think he's going to run until you told me about the 10 pounds. But um, I, don't, I still think he's going to do it. I feel like he's... I'm going to go over on that one. I, I think he's going to do a lot of good things at the combine. I think he'll go over on that I'm one. I'm going under because of his... What I think is incredible long speed. Incredibly underrated long speed after that second step. When we Maybe the 10 pounds is... If Chase Claypool didn't train for this combine, I'm personally going to be angry with him because he made the biggest jump in his stock possible <laughs> this year. How would you not just ask Drew Tranquil, what do I need to do for That's two That's why months? I got to think he's a, he's a great 238. Yeah. 
Elliot, 4.55. This is the only one I put a question mark on. I have absolutely no idea what Jalen Elliott will run. I know he's a good safety, though. <laughs> yeah, I know he's a – yeah, and, and again, senior bowl, he showed that. I'll say over. I'll go over as I'll well. I'll go over as well. Gilman, 4.56. I'll say over. Over. I'll say just add it or under because he will do the Drew Tranquil program. Drew Tranquil was 4.57, remember, Okay. Drew Tranquil, 4.57. Alohi Gilman can do 4.56. Well, and you're about to say Tony Jones, 4.57. That's what Matty Heaps said it at. Over. Tony Jones, 4.57. Over. I'll oh, say over. over. Yeah. I'll say over. Komet, 4.62. Mm. I feel like he's going to be under that. I'm over. Because, I mean, I think yeah, I'll I say forget over. the 4.4s. Four really, I think huh? was a, quite an athlete. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Matty Heaps says Okwar at 4.64. He's not running. I don't think he's yeah. running. And Kareem 4.66 over. That's fast. Man, man. We're, we're, we're saying over on. I said over the on. Only one I, the only one I feel real strongly about is pride under. And that's a, because of his conditioning. I have a hunch on Gilman that he has been doing the program and he will run under that because he absolutely needs to. Yeah, he does. And then I think Clay pulls it. Julian Love was a 4.54. I think Gilman is as fast as Julian Love. Okay. Dexter Williams is a four-five-seven. He would run both by wow. the pass. That's, uh, yes. That'll be that'll be interesting. Looking forward to seeing that. Uh, CMU Pens fan, in in your time covering Notre Dame, what games did you think Notre Dame had no chance of winning, and then they went out and won it? It's way more the other way <laughs> when you when you thought they were <laughs> you thought that, you know what they're going to win this game today. It's way more the other way. <laughs> um. I think probably that's the not most, as fun of a question for us to no, answer, though. Right? No, the most because <laughs> su- take ten minutes. Sorry, Pete. The most surprise that Notre Dame won of a game that I covered probably would be Florida State in two thousand two. That's that would, a that's a good that's call. A really good one. Mine's Duke in the ACC tournament semifinals. <laughs> oh, dude, that's such a good call. I was gonna go. I was gonna go boring with Oklahoma, but you, yeah, for those that yeah. were the, for those that were reading and seeing our stuff at that time, you know how frazzled I was after that game (laughs) because I I just, I, you know, and I should, Oklahoma was slipping at home at that time. I should have suspected a little bit more, but I was, (laughs) I was stunned. I looked like Eminem on Monday night football after that. (laughs) (laughs) One of our all time great post incident analysis. The dude was breaking in on us. Yeah. I will say, you know, now that we've watched that Oklahoma game multiple times and dissected it, it's easier to say now. I know that the national, and I don't mean all dumb national media, I mean like intelligent people were saying, well, like Scott Van Pelt, what if Oklahoma just boat races Notre Dame right now? Are they back in it? Because Notre Dame was undefeated. And I remember thinking to myself, why would they boat race them? They're just going to beat them probably. Yeah. But Because yeah. um, Oklahoma wasn't amazing. But I was surprised. I think, I mean, I picked Oklahoma to win that game. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I did too. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't like um, fall out of your chair. If Notre Dame would have beaten Georgia this year, Pete, you said that would have been the most surprised you'd have been, more so than Oklahoma. Yes. Um, well, we were the way the game started out and the way it began to transpire. It's yeah. like wow. I tell you what, Florida State 2014. I did not think Notre Dame would win that game, and they mm. were. I mean, that is as close as you get to winning a game, obviously. Yeah. So that would be it. But Duke, it's a my final game, yeah. ACC tournament. That's the game. That's a, that's really a great call. We sat together Shocks. on that one. That was uh, that's that's one of the great. Games yes. covered you and me. They started putting it on them too. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that the Florida State game is in our. They blew them out, and then Florida State tacked on two touchdowns at the very end. Oh, the O two game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, a good they call. smoked them. O twos. I was at that game, not covering it. That's a really good call. The O two. And that was the that was the end of the Tyrone right. Willingham era, right there. I mean, they left. The you want to talk about leaving it on the field? Yeah. They oh. left the the Tyrone Willingham Notre Dame program was left on the field that day. It was a. Fun three and a half hours. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not worth it. They uh, were never the they were never even close to being that good again. Right? Thanks for bringing uh, us down. I'm here. just no. saying they were under 500. I think <laughs> for the rest oh, of the they time. Were. That's right. Rich yeah. Marazzi, why is John Mooney getting zero love for National Player of the Year? Because he plays on a team that probably won't make the NCAA tournament, and the, and the National Player of the Year can't possibly go to a player that doesn't Did, go I mean, in the NCAA tournament. We all watched the Duke game, right? 
Yes. He's not national player of the year. No, he's not. He should be getting he's the third best player in that game. He should be getting plenty of love for first team all ECC. Yeah, he should yes. he should be on the list. The oh, wooden yes. award list. He should have made the wooden award list back then in the twenty five players. I mean sure. he's been but that's not I mean a lot of Notre Dame. And he's a that, he's a not. ring of honor player. I don't know how far down the road, but he's a clear ring of honor and in, in, in two years. He toiled in obscurity the way no player has at Notre Dame since Pat Garrity. And he has a better it's it's unfortunate because Mooney just missed being a contributing player to a really good NCAA yeah. tournament team by a year, and then mm-hmm. being a backup for two years. And they might—I mean, they could get in the NCAA tournament still. Well, that's what we're going to talk but about. But that the doesn't last mean question. him a national player of the year candidate. No, I, I, I you know, I he's get good, it. He's a really it's, good player. I, I get the question. I really do, Rich Morazzi. But I mean, that—I mean, it's what it comes down to. They're just not good enough. Kay Beasley, will Notre Dame have to finish fifth in the ACC to make the NCAA tournament? Will they need to make the ACC tournament semis to get in? Don't you think if they if they win out and win, they're in. Like, even yeah, if, that's they, what if they I, win out, they're in. Yeah, okay. They're 12, 12 and 8 and, and, I, you and, know, and a lock for fifth. Look, no one else is going to win out, but it's 8 and 8. So right. Everybody knows in. how, yeah. how god-awful that I think, we think that the ACC is. In Miami, Miami put forth a good effort last night for a team that didn't practice between games. Oh, they did practice. You know, I couldn't tell. <laughs> I don't know if Larinaga was too tuned in. Oh, my God. I asked him post-game, you know, what what was going on defensively when they were 5 for 20. He goes, who was 5 for 20? I go, Notre Dame started 5 for 20 in this game. He had no idea that Notre Dame started 5 for 20 in that game and then, and then didn't miss. He's a really good coach. He and is, I, and but I, he was and not I, I was that. astonished. At how awful that basketball team was last night. They night. offended your delicate sensibility. They did. And, like I'm, and again, I'm taking it when Notre Dame played great. Notre Dame, after they got over yes. the early shooting woes, they played great ball. That ball movement was tremendous. But Miami does not practice offensive basketball on the practice court. They can't possibly. So Bray said before the game that it's an interesting contradiction in styles because we move the ball over the place and there are two dribbles in a shot. And he's like, it works for them, though. They scored the ball. And I looked out there. I'm like, man. I think this passing the ball around they thing did. should catch on, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> it was really hard to watch them so offensively. You would, how about this? Notre Dame has to win four more games. There are four games left. Well, like, I'm, I'm including four games in any location, so including the ACC tournament, but one of those wins has to be Florida State. Yeah, I think, absolutely has to. I agree. Well, yeah, that, that's As long as you say that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I still think they have to win. They have to finish regular season 12-8. and eight. They're in, though. They'll be they'll be yes, sole they position of number five for sure. At, no, absolutely. Sure. That's what it would eleven and nine. But you beat Florida State. But yeah. then you won your first game. Yeah, but if you beat Flo- okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but you then, you lose, then you lose. Then you lose. You're not winning the ACC tournament. No, no absolutely. Not. Okay, loss. for the record, they go to BC Wednesday. They go to Wake Forest Saturday. They play Florida State the following Wednesday. They're, they got a good Virginia rest. Tech at yeah. home. Like the only problem with. They could win all those games. They're gonna be they're gonna be either a one point favorite or underdog just because of the home road thing with BC and Wake Forest. But they are better than both of those teams right now. They are better than Virginia Tech. Florida State's better than them. But I if Notre Dame beats BC and Wake, I think Notre Dame would be favored over Florida State. <laughs> well, they're playing. You know, the way they're playing, they're six. They're six and two. They'll be eight and two in their last ten, and they lost to Florida State by one in a controversial. They've won six out of eight. I mean, they're yeah. playing. They're playing good basketball. The problem is they're not playing anybody any good. No, they but are. They're not. still playing good basketball, and you can't. You can't. Don't lose that in the process of who they're... It's not their fault that they're playing bad teams. They're playing good basketball. I think that'll translate against Florida State next week at home. It's a shame because, boy, this would not even be a question if they'd have clipped Virginia. No. That would yeah. be the well, one right I, there. No, and there's really some State, other games. I mean, they would, they, they, yeah. the NC State, they would beat now, and you I could have lost, But you could have lost to North Carolina. You could have lost to Syracuse twice instead of once. There's, yeah. you know, there's all the... I'm just saying Virginia was an actual pelt. If you got them, that would be the one thing, and you'd be like one game behind them, Virginia, yeah. and you'd be almost a, you'd be almost playing for a bye if you had beaten Virginia. It would you be could, one game. That's yeah. just ridiculous. They're not. That's the ACC this year. I just illustrated yeah. it. Well, don't lose to BC at home. I mean, you could. Um, I, I, I good try win, not to say good, that. Good wins are more powerful than the elimination of bad losses, but there's a couple of bad losses. That was December seventh. That was that game was played on December seventh, which I mean, that's just the net year twenty. North game. Carolina was a bad loss. No, I know. I mean, you're a 20 game <laughs> schedule now in, in in conference play, and you better be ready to play. Well, at the end of November, because they they went to North Carolina, and they were ready to play. They just couldn't finish it out. The BC losses, 
you know, if you flip that nine and seven at, at nine and seven at this point would be huge. It'd be so significant. Yeah, it'd be you could walk to twelve because eight, you're right? in a you're in a four way tie at eight and eight with NC State, Syracuse, and Clemson. The better news is they are now uh, more much more fun team to watch. Oh yeah, that's just a they're a comp- like last year it was it's a anybody, shame the games are on the hey, ACC network. Anybody hey. that said last year like oh it's really great to watch this young team try so hard you have never watched a basketball that's, game in your life. This year they are now fun to watch. They are right. moving the ball and, and playing hey, hard. Props to TJ Gibbs. He was a oh. lousy basketball player last year. He is the most improved player in the he league. Is, it's just he is, he he has been, he's been tremendous. He is he's he's, shooting he's, over he's really, I mean, shooting fifty percent from three in conference play. He's been he's been great. Mooney's been so consistent and steady and tremendous. Goodwin has become steady, a good steady, yes, has steady, become a good player. player. Durham's played much yeah. better in recent weeks. Hub has that attitude. He's, he's a volume shooter too much for his shooting ability, but he makes so many plays. You kind of got to let it go. A classic Bray team. Yeah. Yes. And Lashewski has Lashewski still needs to be more consistent, yeah. but again, he has showed at a level that he hasn't showed previously. And before people get really mad, Rex Fluger is playing really good basketball. Oh, absolutely. Eight points on two shots yesterday with six rebounds, four assists, and two block shots. I mean, great. that is great from your. Should be second man off the bench, senior leader that's starting and limping through his fifth year, doing everything humanly possible to help them play. I mean, if you're mad at him because he can't shoot, where were you the last four years? He was never a good shooter. What? What? No, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're back next to uh, next Tuesday, next Monday, March second. Uh, I don't want to say total total focus because we'll probably have a little bit of basketball talk, but we will be previewing the start of spring. Uh, our podcast will be on Monday. The start of spring will be on Thursday. And we're very much looking forward to it. We appreciate you joining us today on Irish Illustrated Insight. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.